We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And today we're going to get into a little film review. Uh, Will DeBerg, who coaches here in St. Paul at the University of St. Thomas, uh, joined me in watching Anthony Edwards, Lamella Ball, and James Wiseman through their first 10 games in the league. Those of you, of course, who were listening this summer know Will. Um, we wasted our, not wasted, we utilized our empty summertime by watching um, all these draft prospects this summer. And Will was on the pod for, I don't know, maybe like 20 episodes this summer doing those. And uh, we, we were just talking um, this week, and I was like, 10 games in, let's talk, uh, let's talk these top three picks. And so we've gone through, we watched their synergy. I mean, I've watched a handful of their games, of course, all the way through two. And it's been funny. I mean, it's been a, it's been a different experience this year. Just I feel like for me turning on League Pass, where normally I'd be like, oh, let's go check out like the Bucks. They're really good. You know, now I'm like, okay, Cavs Magic. Like, <laughs> what's Isaac Okoro up to? You know, like it's uh has that been your experience? Yeah, I mean it's like checking box scores and stuff. It, it's usually just in the past, like check, see who won, you know, move on. But now it's like pull up the box score and, and see what text day Cole Anthony did in text day that <laughs> You know, so it, it's been fun though to to watch to watch these guys and um, and with Minnesota, I mean, you got the a main one right, yeah. like here right in our backyard to to be able to, I mean, not watch and enjoy, but kind of analyze now too, taking our our opinions that we had off of his film from Georgia and kind of extend that to you know what what it's looking like in the NBA. That was that was the whole proposition mm -hmm. right for us in the summer was. Yep. How does this translate? What it, What is it going to to look like at the next level? And I, I feel like, I mean, correct me if this is not the way you feel, but all three of these dudes have 
shown some real flashes in this time that kind of contradict that the narrative of of the week draft like you can you can make an argument for all three of these dudes that they're going to be special yeah in, in the league no they've they've all had their moments they've all been you know I agree with you I think they've been better than I thought at this point especially given the fact that there was yeah. no, very little preseason no training camp or very little tra- training camp and I mean you're around the team obviously a lot I can't imagine they're going live in practice like with all the games they're playing so for how little of like live reps and just to get thrown into the fire like they have been it's all right it, you would think that'd be most valuable for a rookie too right <laughs> live that, reps against a dude who's actually six foot nine totally you know? like, yeah so I mean these guys really like when you're watching them in games like that's kind of like they're not they're not getting behind the scenes reps or or you know they didn't have a preseason so they're you know they're they're adjusting on the fly Let's start with Edwards, but before we get into him, I, I'm curious of just your opinion as a coach, um, of, of kind of like what you thought after that, that final play at the end of overtime with with Edwards, and you know how how surprising it was to you, or not surprising maybe that you know that he didn't really know what to do in that situation. Yeah, I mean it's you know, after the fact in hindsight, like everyone's got the answers, right? Like he should have dunked it or he should have whatever. But it's like, I actually looked at it the other way. I was kind of like, you know, he, his instincts took over. He drove to the basket and then he was like, wait, we need a three. And he, you know, he tried to make the right play and it wasn't a good pass. And, you know, it was unfortunate ending of the game. Do you Um, think that that's the right play there though, to go for the three? I, so so let me let me line it up. So because I've gone back and looked at this, Cat secures the board. Twelve and a half yep. seconds left. Quick outlet to Ricky. I've watched this a few times. Yeah, yeah. and then he hits a kick ahead pass to Edwards. So I think in hindsight, no. Like if you could do it over again, you'd have him dunk it, foul, try it again, or whatever. You know. Yeah. But if you watch D'Lo on that play, if he's on the far side of the court, he's on the left wing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when as soon as Edwards puts the ball on the floor and attacks, D'Lo stands straight up with his arms up, calling for the ball. But his guy, I forget who was guarding him. Is, is right in the passing lane, but is turned just watching Edwards, right? Mm-hmm. So if D'Lo, so he can't make the pass to D'Lo because the guy is in the passing lane, although he's not watching. Sure. If D'Lo takes two steps to the corner, he is wide open. And I'm mm. assuming, because I think actually one of the things that's been surprising me the most about Edwards is he is a good passer. For sure. He is a good passer. So Live dribble, whatever. Yeah. So I, again, in hindsight, whatever, you, we can we can digest this as, as, long, as, as long as you want, but... D'Lo takes two steps to the corner. He gets a wide open three. All of a sudden, it's an unbelievable play by the rookie. Right. You, know, you know what I mean? So it's, yes, unfortunately. It, yeah, it, naturally, we're, gonna, we're not going to only. So I guess my point is, did. my point is, it was really close to being. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know. It's, it's you know, right. from a coaching perspective, you, you don't want that, but it's. So, so we asked Ryan about it yesterday. I haven't even talked to you about this. Um, and, and what he said was he was kind of judging it as the play flowed out whether or not he was going to call a timeout there and what he said because Ricky hit Edwards with that quick hit ahead kick ahead pass that basically gave Edwards a layup dunk um that he was like oh well you, you take that and so so Ryan was kind of going on the fly there of of what to do in that situation obviously I love the call not to call a timeout by by the way you always love that I, I just I, see for me I think there I think Again, in hindsight, now being able to go back and watch the film and knowing the exact seconds on the clock, I don't feel like 12 and a half seconds was enough time there. Because even if you go boom to Ricky, boom to Edwards, boom to Dunk, like 
there's just not going to be a lot of time to play the foul game left there. I love the call if it's like 16 seconds or which in Ryan's defense, it was like when the play started, when, when San Antonio missed the shot, it was like 19, the Wolves kind of bobble the rebound. So it's, it's right on that line to me of like both make some sense. Yeah. I don't know that that's my uneducated opinion. No, I, Look, there's not a there's not a right or wrong necessarily, right? Like it's mm-hmm. sometimes you're not going to call a timeout and it's going to work. Sometimes you are and it's going to work. Vice versa, it's not going to work. Right. I like on Twitter after the game, I, I thought Ryan got too much heat. Like I, I think not calling a timeout there. You have a wide open layup. Yeah, like that's a great coaching move to get a wide open layup. You just mm-hmm. have to make a better decision. Yeah. So Given like what what played yeah, out. So like the timeout. The people yeah. are saying you got it. It's like no, if you like you get a wide open layup, you can't ask for anything else. So mm-hmm. you know, I think. And I think it's if you ask Ryan, because I think it, it switches back and forth as the play progresses from, yeah. in my opinion, you should take a timeout to, you probably shouldn't take a timeout when Ricky has the ball to when Ant has the ball. You definitely shouldn't take a Because you're either going to get a dunk or you're going to get a kick out for what should be a good rhythm three. Yep. So yep. I think it played out, you know, I, I think. It, it played out poorly, but like. Yes, yeah, the end result. But I think if Ryan could do it over again, I don't think he would call a timeout. I think he would, you know. That's what he said. He said I, when we talked about it. And and I respect, I think that's a good decision. Because I, I, people are always like, well, you got to set up your offense. Well, it's like now the defense can get whoever set. they want in. They can switch. They can. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a downhill action. Correct. Anthony Edwards. Yeah, yes. Right. Um, all right. Let's, let's move on to him specifically. Just for all these guys, I'll, I'll read off their sort of counting stats before we talk about what the film has actually looked like. Because. I don't know. In some cases, those stats can be representative, and sometimes they can't. Um, but for Edwards, he's played in 10 games, playing 25 and a half minutes per game, which is more than the other two guys, even though he isn't starting. Um, he's averaging 13.6 points per game, two assists per game, 2.9 rebounds, half a steal, 0.2 blocks, um, two turnovers a game. It's only a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. He's shooting 47% from two and 28% from three. Not um, not numbers that pop from an efficiency standpoint, um, but I think w- when I think about Anthony's impact that he's had thus far on the Timberwolves specifically, as obviously I've watched more of him than than any of these other other guys, is that those 14 points per game that he's given this team in the second unit has been really valuable. Just in the you know the proverbial innings eater sort of thing, where they just haven't had scorers on the second unit and. And to have that, to have a guy who, when he's out there next to a Rubio, a Culver, uh, you know, a Layman and a Nas Reed, you just kind of, you don't have much scoring punch in that group, you know. So, so I think he's been he's been really valuable in that way. And then just, you know, some some poor, probably shot selection has contributed to those percentages being lower. Yeah, and I, again, I don't think the shot selection is anything surprising, right? Like it's it's. What we talked about when he was at Georgia, it's literally like, the same. It's literally the same, which, you know, with him, like he's been in really volatile. Like his good plays, like there are moments where it's like, holy crap, yeah. like this guy is the real deal. But then he'll go and have a four-minute stretch where where you're like, what are you doing? Like yeah. you got it like and, – and so I don't know. Like most 18-, 19-year-old rookies are going to have those stretches, but um, – I think it, you know him more more so than the other two guys we're going to talk about has been the highs have been really high, the lows have been really low, and it's kind of weird. Like he hasn't can, been very consistent. I guess. Yeah, for sure. There, there's almost an element to it where I go, I don't know if I know my opinion has changed at all on Anthony Edwards over ten NBA games. 
that I've watched a ton of. He's played 255 minutes in the NBA, and I'm still kind of, I still have the exact same excitement. On, I mean, I, I was high on Anthony Edwards. I had him second on my board, but really in like a 1B mm-hmm. to, to LaMelo. So part of me was you know, anticipating some of this athleticism and physicality really popping at the next level. And I'm lining this up in a way to be like, I was right. That's not what I mean. I, I, what I'm saying is the, the question marks that I had still, still remain. And the things that I was kind of betting on a little bit, panning out or, or liking translating to the next level, namely his physicality and, and just, the quality of his jump shot. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like we've seen those things yet. I don't know. Two years from now, when we're having a conversation about this, I don't feel like I know I could have a better idea of what he's going to be than if when we had a, this conversation two months ago. I think out of the three, he's been like this is what I ex- kind of expected out of Anthony Edwards. Okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I and I and I forget exactly what we talked about w- with him, but. I remember something along the lines of he's going to be at least early on in, in, in his career, he's going to be very similar to what he was at Georgia mm-hmm. where he's going to score. He's going to make shots. He's going to have these plays that you're, that blow you away. But, and I don't mean to, to, to rag on him cause I think he has been good. Can, does that, does his play result in winning? Does he, mm-hmm. does he make winning plays? Does he, does he find a way to, to make his teammates better? Does he get stops on defense? All those little things that winning players do. And again, 10 games in. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying too is I don't I don't know any more about – because th- so many of those things are, are mental makeup mm-hmm. or, or, or even like situational, you know? You have it, to learn how to win. And again, he's so young. I d- yeah. don't need to overreact, but like – hopefully this team can start winning more games where he can start to kind of learn that because I think you get to a point where you just kind of get numb to it. Right. Like, right. well, that's Andrew Wiggins thing, right? Yeah. Like being on the wolves for six years, only making the playoffs. One of those six years, there was, I, I think, and maybe, maybe Andrew embraced that malaise a little bit more than others would. But I, I think a lot of prospects you put on the Timberwolves from 2014 to 2020 and, losing is going to seep into you know to who they are a little bit mm-hmm. and, and in ways cap their ceiling I think and I think that's hard to shake like I, I I don't have a good example right now but I just when it gets it kind of ingrained into you you right. know I'm trying to think off the top of my head too yeah like and I worry about that and not how that, long is ingrained though that's a good question I mean it's certainly not 10 games <laughs> it's not no and, <laughs> and we're going to sound like we're overreacting yeah. but that's what I mean we have nothing else to base it off of and yeah so but I don't know, a guy like Trey Young. Like, at some point, Trey Young, you know point. what I mean? Like, at some point, Trey Young's got to win games. Like he's got to be yeah. the guy, or he's got to be, the, you know. Um, it established certain habits. Yeah, but we talked a little bit before we started recording. How many important games has Anthony Edwards played in? Like, before, like, his college, they didn't play in anything meaningful at Georgia. I don't really know what his high school was, but I just, I don't know if he's played in a big well, basketball. I, I literally league. think that the most competitive game he ever played in was that one where he made the, the mistake at the end of overtime. Like totally, literally, yeah. Cause, cause of the 10 games, 
that the Wolves have played, that's been the only real close one, close one. And they had the, the first game of the season against Detroit. Well, one, that's the only game he's closed. Right. That's of, of, of the season. Right. And so, so it's kind of though that's the winning time thing, right? And that's the making the winning habits. So even in the other games, when, you know, when it was decision time, like he, he wasn't on the floor. And, and then the time he has played, in fourth quarters has been in blowouts and it's basically felt like summer league, you know? So there hasn't been, it's, it's going to be important. You know, he's going to probably have five to eight of those games this year Mm -hmm. where, you know, what he's able to do in those times and being able to learn, even, even if it's mistakes in a lot of those, what are you taking from those eight most competitive games you've ever played in your life? Right. And, and that's, that's a lot of what, from an individual development standpoint with him, I think it'll be huge this year. Totally. And, you know, he's going to score. He's going to have games not only this year but the rest of his career. Like, he's, there's going to be games where he looks like, you know, whatever, an all-star, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, his package is already the, – The two things that have surprised – not surprised me, but I've been most impressed with is just how good his first step is. Like, he gets by anybody. Anybody. <laughs> yeah. anybody. And it – effortlessly right like he can just get past whoever and then two is his passing so i mean he's not shooting good percentage right now mm-hmm. from three or really from two um i think for him he needs to attack more i think that's obvious but when i when people hear that i think they think attack and like dunk or lay mm-hmm. it in. he just needs to get into the teeth of the defense and the way he passes the ball mm-hmm. i just think that's the game should become more simple for him you know what i mean beat your guy get in the lane and then kick it. And then, you know, and I think he does a really good job of that, but he doesn't do it often. Well, and when you string that together for the over the course of the game, it's amazing what that opens up. I mean, that Lamelo, the triple double Lamelo yeah. game, it was it was crazy watching that because he was Lamelo was spacing the floor with his vision in that game. Mm-hmm. Right? Like guys were staying home on shooters because they're like, Well, all four of us have to stay home on the shooter because Lamelo's gonna be able to find any of mm-hmm. these four guys. So there was a couple plays in that game where well, Lamelo's just got to have a little bit of a wiggle to get the guy on his side, and it's just a layup at the rim. And Ant, I mean, I'm not going to say he's the same level passer that Lamelo is, but he's going to be a really good passer. He's a good passer. Thing. So he could he could have some of those same spacing impacts, but then he's going to be obviously a much stronger finisher in the aggregate than Lamelo will. So it's like, man, if you're able to one have shooters around him set like a little bit of precedent and, you know, get three assists in the first half, mm-hmm. then guys are going to be like, shit, like, what am I choosing here? What Like, picking my poison. Am I going to try and stay home on shooters? Cat, D'Lo, Beasley. I mean, that, like, if he's playing alongside those guys in time, like, what do you, what do, you do as a, as a defense there? It's and he's tough. And he's going to get the other team's third or fourth best defender, and he, like – yeah. He's going to be able to get into the lane at will, right? And, you know, it should either be a dunk or it should be a jump stop kick. And he's, I think he's taken too many of those, like, six-foot shots where you don't really know if it's a jump shot. You don't know if it's a runner or a floater. It's just kind of like I beat my guy. I'm sort of close to the basket. I've got to shoot it, which are not yeah. – anybody who's played basketball, like, that's not an easy shot. Like, no. It feels like it should be, but – I think that's where Cat's really important, though, too, because a lot of the times he's he's pulling short at like six, eight feet there, right? Because the the big is coming over to meet him at the rim, and and in Ant's head, he hasn't really put together the idea that oh, I can, it doesn't matter if it's if it's Thomas Bryant coming over 
at me, I can still dunk on him. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not there yet in his head. So it's just the big coming over. But the big Thomas Bryant in that game is guarding Ed Davis. You know that that's the difference. If you have if you have Cat in that situation, you know spacing out to above the break. Yep. What are you going to do if you're Thomas Bryant? You're not even going to be there. He's not even going to need to dunk through people. So so I think a lot of that, and I don't have the numbers exactly on what he is from that kind of short mid range, but I think that's going to clean up a bunch because there's just going to be less of them. It's going to be dunks. I think a lot of those over time will turn into dunks or turn into assists to cat basically. No, I agree. I think, you know, I think you're spot on offensively. He's got a chance. I mean, he's got a chance to be really, really good. It's, you know, the, the one thing he can get easy threes and I think he chooses sometimes to take tough ones. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, if he just plays more within himself, he's going to get rhythm threes. And I don't know the percentage breakdown off off the dribble or catch and shoot, but... All the percentages are broken right now because half of them have right. come against two-way players. Right. You know, so... But I just... I I think they're... they're he's like, choosing... He's choosing the shot in difficult situations too often. He's too good. He's too good on offense to settle for these tough shots. Exactly. And what what's kind of compounding there... And I remember this in the Clippers game particularly, is he hit like three kind of tough threes right away. I think it was in his first shift, right? And and then so he, so his his third one was a, a step back, I think, on Paul George. And so the next possession down Is this the one of, where he curled off and should yeah, have had yeah, a that dunk. little double drag thing? And 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 it would it should have been a one dribble dunk, dunk. And it turned into a step back. Like, yeah, I know the Exactly. Play. I know and the play. It, and it's those things. And 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 the you know, this is where the numbers are going to tell a different story than than what's going to actually play out in the future because he's not going to do that forever. Like, obviously, that got shown to him in in the film session the next day, and it's going to be like, wait, just because, Ant, just because you're feeling your jumper here doesn't mean you right. can't go and get a layup when the literally the lane's wide open. You know, and and those are, you know, those are those are learning moments. Like, I, and it would be almost impossible for him to not learn that. Like. People, I mean, maybe if people want to question like his mentality on a, all of these guys, their mentality on a broader base, like, sure, not everybody's Kobe, and he might <laughs> prove to not. They all three of them might prove not to be that either. But, but just from decision making, like, I would be shocked if his decision making doesn't improve exponentially over the next couple of years. It should. Who's going to be the guy? Is it Cat? Is it is it Ricky? Who's the guy that like show? I mean, we talked a little bit before about Wiseman about just the value of having Draymond and stuff, and we'll get to him. But mm-hmm. just none of these That's guys. The big reason why Ricky was brought in, I know that for a fact. It, it has to be right. And and as I understand it, after Edwards is bugaboo, um, at the end of overtime, Rick it, Ricky talked to him on the floor, which everyone saw, yep. and then. Ricky also talked to him in the locker room after the game. And then other than that, the coaches just said, leave and let be. Like, Ricky explained to you what the situation was. This is what you should have done. But we're going to move on. And and so I think – Is Ricky going to be the guy to do that on defense too? <laughs> no, that's what we got to move into. I No, I don't – I mean, I don't know. I think that's, that's going to come from a whole – Because I think, again, I think Edwards is – Yes, his decision making is going to get better, and I. But I think he's he's good enough on offense, and he's going to be good enough on offense to to 
you know, mm-hmm. he's just going to be good. He already is. But the, the other, defense, the other side of the well, floor. Well, so so here's the thing: the person for him on the defensive side of the ball is David Vanderpool, who's who's their defensive coordinator. And Vanderpool was in Portland before with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and both of those guys talked about their own individual defensive development. They completely attributed to Vanderpool and just I, I remember just watching an interview after a playoff game where Lillard was talking about it he had a, a good defensive game and and he talked about how when he just came into the league he goes it took me a, a really long time to like intuit when like when the other team was saying like thumbs up action or what this is to actually know what's coming before and and he said that working just hammering that stuff home with Vanderpool in film sessions got him to be a proactive defender versus a reactive mm-hmm. defender. And right now, I mean, Anthony Edwards is completely a reactive defender and it's, I mean, it's every game, it's three or four really bad mistakes defensively. Mm-hmm. But the, the reason for optimism there is that if Edwards can do what Damien did just from a learning standpoint, physically, what Edwards has in his athletic package should allow him to like Lillard still isn't a good defender. Right. But that's because Lillard's your size, you know, like it's totally different when Anthony Edwards is going to become even more physically imposing as he closes out puberty Mm -hmm. and like, and is able to be a guy who, who can defend physically can defend anyone. He's just got to mentally be able to defend. And you think, I guess this is like the old, you know, the old question is how can you teach it? it? And because you're right physically. And I actually think when he's been on the ball and it's like, I'm guarding you. Right. And I'm not going to let you Mm -hmm. score. This is my job. I actually think he's shown flashes of like in the half court. Yeah. yeah, Like against, against Washington. Like I thought he actually guarded Beal fairly Beal scored on, but Beal made some tough shots and, Mm -hmm. and that's going to happen. But no, the it, problem was coming off of screen. It's when he's off the ball, man. I, I think I called you or sent you some clips the other day, but off the ball, it's like he's never in a stance ever, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's straight up and down. He like just basic principles mm-hmm. that you teach kids, you know, in a stance. See, ball, you man. See your ball. See yeah. your man. And like yeah. he he does he has none of that. And I I'll see Ryan on the sidelines sometimes. It literally looks like he's <laughs> yelling at Edwards and like Ryan's getting in a stance. Yeah. And I'm like. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't, so that's the part that. But the, but here's the question: Is that laziness or is that never having done it before? Maybe both. Maybe a little bit of both. Actually, I think that's probably the answer. You're right. But at some point, like he's never been coached, right? That's the whole like. When does that when does that change? Because he, you know, mm-hmm. because I think to some degree that's true. But like. When is he going to have a game where he just stays in a stance and plays a little bit harder on defense? Because mm-hmm. when I watch his defensive clips, I don't think he's playing hard. Yeah. And I don't know if he knows that he's not playing hard, which is the, That's the, issue. the biggest part of the issue, yeah. And, and it's been a disaster from, like a, from a getting scored on standpoint. And I think the, his rebounding numbers, I think, reflect that a little bit. How hard, oh, yeah. Do, right. do you know what I mean? For a yeah. guy that size and that athletic, you, I, it, I mean, you, and you, you can compare, get more than compared two to, points. Compare him crashing the glass to Malik Beasley crashing the glass, right. right? And Malik is like 
six four, one hundred ninety pounds, like soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Like, if you watch those two, if in person you're standing next to those two guys, it's completely different mm-hmm. physical beings. And and you know, Malik, Malik has a lot of the same problems off ball as as Edwards does, but he's been more positively impactful, or maybe put it. He Less plays negatively. He plays impactful. way harder. He yeah, and admit, that makes up for fair. a lot. Like mm-hmm. you talk about defense, like the number is the give a shit factor, right? Mm-hmm. And if you give a shit, yeah, you're going to be a lot better. You know what I mean? You just you're instantly. I just think be, well, he's never had to give a shit. That, that's right. what it, and that's not an excuse. But, but it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like the the losing thing, right? You kind of get mm-hmm. numb to it. At what point can you flip it? You know, turn it on. Right. So I don't know. Again, ten games S- synergy wise in the <laughs> possessions that he's don't look been, at. <laughs> The possessions that he's been involved in are allowing 1.34 points per possession, which ranks in the second percentile amongst all defenders in the league. It's, I mean, basically, if you put him in a, in a situation, like, I'm with you. If he's one-on-one, can just straight square up his dude, like, it's fine right now because he can just get in the strong and quick and fast. But, but if I'm putting a game plan together against him, I am telling my big, Go and screen this guy, yes. even in situations that doesn't make sense to screen him. Because just cut. he just yeah. cut, just move, and then yeah, and then and then the guy who's guarding him, if you don't have the ball, just cut behind him because he consistently loses his guy. And I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not smart enough. I'm not a coach to know how much that stuff can be be developed. I I'm of two minds of it. Where I I watched those his 74 defensive possessions this morning and go, oh my god, that was a nightmare. And then my other mind of it is, dude's six six two thirty and a freak athlete. But I think that's the mistake right there, right? I think I think we, we not you and I necessarily, but people look at that mm-hmm. more so than how what's your IQ, how smart mm-hmm. are you? Like, take this is going to be an extreme example, but JJ Redick and Wiggins, right? Like, sure. JJ is. You know more than I would, but I would imagine JJ is much better defender than Andrew Wiggins, right? Um, probably off ball in terms of awareness for sure. For yeah. sure, right? And it's kind of the same thing. It's the on ball stuff. But I'm saying like I'm taking like a smaller, yeah. Av- yeah. below average athlete and a mm-hmm. freak athlete. Like I just think, I think yes, it's obviously good if you're athletic and strong and quick and can move. That's really important. But if you are never going to be able to figure out, mm-hmm. well, and and it's it's the tough part too because if I'm being honest. I don't notice a lot of this stuff in I well, I notice some of it in live action. But it's also a lot of his issues are off ball where your eye is just naturally not really trained to look there as much. You you're following the action. Um but it, it's still just as costly because if it's just backdoor cuts mm-hmm. or you're getting screened and your guy's coming off or pinned down for a wide open three, like that can be just as costly. It's not the whole like we've started to decide guys are bad defenders or we can all kind of collectively understand someone's a bad defender when they're the guy that teams are like, yo, Clear come out. up and screen yeah. for me, screen for me so I can get a switch and do that. Like, and I don't think that's him necessarily. What, which is on one hand is a good thing. Yeah. But although but the just spur, because although, although to Rosen was the other night was yeah. making it a point to go at him. Exactly. And, and so that, I mean, that's the thing is eventually this team again with the roster construct needs him to be able to be a guy who can guard DeMar DeRozan. Yes. Because if we talk, I mean, Malik Beasley's under contract for three or four more years, D'Lo for three more years. Like, you can't, if you want to talk about starting Anthony Edwards next to those two, like, the, it, you, you can't 
you can't do that while having the mentality of we're trying to compete to win games to go to the playoffs with all three of them out mm-hmm. there, even if Malik's playing as, as hard as he can. And even if D'Angelo's playing engaged defensively, they're just Malik is limited physically in, in his size and then also struggles a little bit with attentiveness off ball. And then D'Angelo is in one of the fifth percentile in terms of athletes, you know, I think that's, I think that's actually a good point. Like if, you know, if Edwards is out there with Ricky and a Kogi and I don't, whoever else, some of the better defenders are, I think you can, you can hide him easier. But when, when D'Lo's limited, like, so it's, that can't be the plan. Like, no, I know you didn't draft it to be a guy that's hit it. You, you traded for D'Angelo Russell to be a guy who you hide. Like you knew that you knew you're going to have to hide him forever. Right. But, Drafting Anthony Edwards and it working out, it's not right. like we got to hide this guy. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't know. I mean, we. I think that's a good place to transition to LaMelo Ball. Yeah. Because the big difference defensively is that I think LaMelo, it will, yeah, you're pointing at your head, is that. But it's, it, it like they are, are hiding LaMelo Ball defensively on that team, whether it be in zone or just offensive defense subs. And, and there's this idea that I, I think to some degree, that they more are of the mind that he's going to be like D'Angelo Russell, where that's probably going to exist for the extent of his career, or at least until he grows a lot physically. Yeah. And, and again, with Edwards, like if he can put the mental part together, that should not, you know, that should not be an issue. The yes, they do hide him. He hasn't been good on defense. The one thing that he has though is his instincts. Like he sees things happen before, so when he's off the ball, when he's guarding the other team's fifth best player, and they're not, he's, mm-hmm. you know, the guy he is guarding isn't a focal point. How old Neto? What's that? How old Neto? Yeah. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, but, exactly. but when, but when LaMelo can just like almost roam and he sees things, yeah. he's a good help defender, I think, because mm-hmm. he, he sees things yeah. happen before they do. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's actually a good, comp- we did the Wiggins JJ yeah. comparison. LaMelo and Ant's actually a good one for as far as athleticism versus IQ. It is. Um, start with his stats. LaMelo has played 10 games as well. He's playing 24.9 minutes per game, which is about the same as Edwards, scoring 12.8 points per game, which is just a tick below Edwards. Six assists, six boards, one and a half steals, um, 2.1 turnovers per game, uh, but he has a lot more assists, so his assist turnover ratio is like three to one. And then from two, he's shooting actually 49% from two, which is pretty good, and 35.6% from three. So he's been, um, well, clearly impacting winning a lot more um, just on the offensive side of the ball, but also just from, you know, those basic efficiency numbers, he's he's also just had a a much more profound impact on on Charlotte's offense. Yeah, I mean – He's been really good. Like I don't, yeah. I don't know really how else to put it. If anyone who listened to the the pre-draft one, like I went back today actually this morning and watched Australian games again just to like see if I could, you know, mm. what I missed or what I whatever. Sure. And he is, he is playing. He a he looks stronger. He still have ways to go, but he does look stronger. And b, he is. It felt like he forced a lot in Australia. Like he felt in his mind. He had to be the guy. Like he had to make a name for himself, and he played a lot of one-on-one basketball and tried to do things that I don't think he's that good at. But now in Charlotte, like he is, 
He's tucked into the fabric of a team. Like he's making the right plays, and he's not over dribbling, and he's not doing the things he was doing in Australia. And for and part of the reason I had him lower is I didn't think that would translate at least right. early on. And and, I, and so far I've been <laughs> I've been very wrong. Um, and the other thing, and I think I texted you Friday night when they were on ESPN, is like his teammates love him, absolutely love him. The way they trust him, the way they interact with him, and I didn't. I thought it was going to be the opposite. I thought they were going to kind of be like, "Who is this kid?" You know, like right. your dad and all this stuff. And but they like they get a rebound, and it's like, "Where's Lamelo? Get Lamelo the ball." And so we just do the easy part: run. He'll get us the ball. And he, I don't know. I watching his watching his highlights and his games. I could not stand watching him last year, and now. <laughs> It's completely. I love like yeah. I love him. I, he's, <laughs> I, and I don't know what else to say. He's been really fun to watch. He's been really good. Um, no, yeah. I mean, I it, it it's bad timing for Anthony Edwards that we're recording this right now after Edwards' last game. He scored zero points on O of eight shooting, and Lamelo's last game was a twenty three point triple double, where he looked awesome. We're prisoners of the moment a little bit, but. Yeah, but at the same time, if you look at the 10 games as a whole, and we went back and watched his, his film, like, it bears out, like, all that stuff. I mean, I, I think, as I watched him, and you're talking about his teammates, it's pretty clear as you progress through the film. I did it, like, the backwards way, where starting with his, mm-hmm. you know, his first clips, his teammates are starting to trust him more and more. And and so, like, now it's, it's what you were saying, where's the mellow? Right. And at first, he's, you know, he's kind of coming off the bench, who are the guys he's playing with consistently, whatever. He but, looks comfortable now, though. He looks like this is... But what I'm saying is he doesn't only look comfortable. His teammates look comfortable with him. Like, Miles Bridges is like, this is my route to 15 highlight mm-hmm. dunks this year and to scoring 15 points per game is is feeding this guy and, and playing with the, this guy. And, and you know, it kind of fits well with, I think, who their other stars are in, in Gordon Hayward, who has a very like obvious role uh, on on his team. He does a like a very obvious thing and is I don't think Hayward feels at all like infringed upon playing with LaMelo Ball and then surprisingly I've thought it's worked well with you know being able to play with Rogier and being able to play with Rogier and Graham at the same time right. going with those three guard lineups with LaMelo and and yeah, for for me, even I had Lamelo as my, my my top prospect. I I had some of those same concerns too of like, how does he put himself into the firmament of a team? You know, how does how does he not stick out like a, a sore thumb or a thumb, even if it's good? You know, like right. there was the way we'd seen him play basketball in Australia was like, I don't know how this player exactly meshes into the NBA, and for me. I was going, you know, on a hunch that of of just that his basketball IQ that you could see would would translate to the next level and and I think that's what what has it's that floor spacing I was talking about just with his ability to I've never seen anybody at the point guard position really since I've been watching the league really closely who can so easily sling the ball around with both hands in in the way that he does it's in, For lack of a better term, it's special. In my notes, I, I have – he is the best passer I've ever seen with left-hand, right-hand passes, mm. ever. Like, it's – the way it, – it doesn't matter. And I think that's underrated. The other thing 
I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but having a guy, and I, I wanted to bring this up with Edward Stupid, having a guy who can rebound at a high level, but it also is like your primary ball handler or one of them right. is in basketball in general is a super valuable and B really underrated. And the way he's rebounding and the way he can just get the ball and just go, go. it creates so much offense and it's fun to watch. And I think the way going back and up to Edwards, the way Edwards passes, if he can figure out a way to get six or seven rebounds a game and run yeah. and run, it's going to make everyone's lives easier. And I think LaMelo ball already. It's interesting because LaMelo is doing it is rebounding, not with physicality. He's, he's it's, rebounding it's with instincts of, you know, it's like the, it's the Kevin love thing of like understanding yeah. where the ball is going to come off because LaMelo ball doesn't box out no. at all. And he's had a couple offensive rebounds too, where he just like slithers his he way just, in and cause he's it. like, I, he's odds are this, this shot is going to carry him off yes. to the, the front of the rim, you know? And, and his instincts are, are off the charts. Yeah. And I, that that was honestly one thing where I was like, I don't know if this rebounding is going to translate because I, I watched a few of their, their preseason games and I'm, I'm watching him play defense. And it's like, dude, there's a guy right next to you. You just got to put your body on mm -hmm. him kind of to box out. And he wouldn't. He would do the thing where he just stands right next to him and just tries to out jump him. And it's like, ah, that's not going to work. But but really, I mean, it's, he he said it after the game. Um was that he, the, the the part of the quote that stood out was he's like oh I played a lot of twenty one when I was a kid growing up but if you continue on beyond the House of Highlights clip he goes on to talk about really it's my instincts like that mm -hmm. that built instincts rebounding instincts in me and and it is it is huge because when it is your point guard when it is your lead ball handler that makes we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Such a difference in, in getting out and playing in transition, which is what he's going to do best. When we started doing these, this is kind of where I thought he could be in like two or three years, what he's doing right now. You know what I mean? Like I thought, yeah, things go well. Like by year two or three, he's going to be doing this. So the fact that he's doing this, you know, 10 games into his – rookie year is insane pretty incredible let's take a a quick break and then we'll, we'll talk i want to talk about his defense too and just a couple of his other numbers hey everyone want to tell you about blue wire hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level 
Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art for your pod, Q&As with Blue Wire podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of uh, tips and tricks that we all use. On top of that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google Stitcher, all those listening platforms. And what I can tell you from my own experience is it costs more than $15 a month to host your own podcast. Blue Wire Hustle only charges that, which is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. I thought it was interesting, Will, just kind of how they've been using him. Um, obviously, it's 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 as a as a pick and roll ball handler. That's was what Lamelo Ball is, you know, going to be best at. But he's also been able to function in like a spot up role too. And it's not even just as like a shooter. Obviously, he made a bunch of threes in that triple double game. But I like. I I think we kind of knew the pick and roll stuff was. Maybe not going to be this good right away, but in time, he was going to be a really good pick-and-roll player. I, I, I've really liked the way he's attacked closeouts when he is playing, again, alongside a Rozier or a Hayward, which makes him the second-side guy, right? And, and that was, right, people who had concerns about him was, was this guy going to ever be able to be somebody who's making more than 32% of his threes? Well, even if that's true and he isn't you know, going to be an above-average shooter, it's what you're able to do in shooting situations too. There's there's a lot of guys in the league who are still weapons off the catch, even if they're not, you know, gonna catch and shoot, knock down 38, 39% of their catch and shoot shots. So so that was something that stood out to me with his offensive game. Yeah, I, I think what is he shooting? Thirty six percent from three right now? In that range? Uh yeah. Yep, thirty five point six. Yep. I mean I think if that's his floor, and who knows, maybe he's again ten games. But if that's his floor, and he can, he's comfortable shooting off pick and roll, and obviously mm-hmm. his passing is there. He's going to be he's really hard to guard. Yeah, I, I think mechanically, um, it's it's still inconsistent enough where he'll rip off twelve games where he shoots like twelve percent. Yeah, he's going to go through through slumps, and he and still I mean, he still takes he still takes really bad shots at times. Mm-hmm. He still takes that runner from. I don't know, 18, yeah, 18 feet. feet. <laughs> so um, uh, but that's, I think that's who he is. And I think you're going to have to live with some of that stuff, but it, it's, it's interesting. And now, you know, I've been, obviously Ricky Rubio has been um, on my mind watching the wolves this year and, and just, you know, kind of thinking back to early Rubio and, and really with, with Rubio that, that first year when he came into the league, it was kind of like this too, until he, you know, he tore his ACL and, and there was just, that kind of Rubio magic special and and you're, you're whatever that feeling is feels similar to what LaMelo is doing when he's been rolling this year and and you know in in, in ways I think that's kind of a lazy comparison that others and we made you know out of the draft but but at the same time I'm seeing a lot of those things plus more of a natural athleticism from ball that is that makes me believe that he could be a lot more off the bounce mm-hmm. than Ricky ever was. Well, and he's finishing way better than he did in Australia. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's had a couple finishes, you know, where he's finishing left hand, right hand with contact. And that was one of his, I think we both agreed on this. One of his weaknesses last year mm-hmm. is that any sort of contact at the rim, it was game over, yeah. game over. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions I was going to ask you is when I was watching, I was thinking to myself, like, am I crazy for, for thinking that the NBA game f- like fits him better than what it did overseas? What do you mean by that? I just, there's more space over That's there. Huge. Over there last year, they had a guy on the block every single possession. So I need pick and roll. Josh Boone. <laughs> yeah. Josh, Josh Boone, whoever, but there was a guy almost always on the block. So he would, he ran a lot of pick and roll last year, but, yeah. There's a guy on the block where it kind of, I don't know. Right, and that's what I was – And they're, and I think they're, they're more physical with him over there last year. I Which think is maybe something that teams are going to figure out. Well, I think what's going to happen here pretty soon is teams are going to start keying in on him. They're going to key in on him. I, he's he's going to hit a wall at some point, and I think a lot of it's going to be because teams are <laughs> – And it's probably going to be Pat Beverly as soon as he catches the ball. That's what the wall is going to look like. Yeah. like you know what I mean? And it's, he's going to get beat up physically, and it's going to be tough. And I think that's – when I went back and watched some of his games earlier today, back last year in Australia, teams were really physical with him. Like in the half court, right? They would, you know. And I feel like in the NBA game, a lot more space, a lot more five out, a lot more just, you know, five one on one games. Almost, you know what I mean? Where, um, I think that's a big difference, and I think it's helping him. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, and it's, I guess I had, I guess I'd been thinking about the spacing in that he was creating it, but that's not true. I mean, he. He's contributing to it, but it's the NBA, and they're going to play. I mean, they're playing. Every team talks about spacing, right? Every team, it's like the theme with every. No team is like, hey, let's you know shrink our space. That's. But they're really going five. Like when they don't have Biombo out there, yeah. they go like PJ Washington at the five, right? Who's very much a stretch five, you know? And, and it's just kind of. And I guess back to my question, that was not the case last year for him, and right. so I think. It's almost I don't know if the you know a quarterback's the right example, but a quarterback in one system then goes to the other system and mm. thrives. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I just I thought the way the NBA game is is really, and this is something I overlooked for sure watching last year. And you you had you were spot on with it. But the way the NBA game is played is really mm. you know works for him in a, in a good way. Yeah, I guess that's what we were talking about. It's it's the whole the idea of the insistence on every single team in the NBA running pick and roll. And and for me with you know with the wolves, that's what I obviously you know I liked about the idea of him with cat, and 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 I you know you can just something I've been kind of not that we've had a lot of cat, but you, you've seen it in a couple flashes where it's a cat D'Lo pick and roll, and D'Lo's able like going to his left, and he's over able to throw that like sling back with his left over his right shoulder kick to to cat on the pop, and that's just lethal like. Yeah. That's just a lethal action, and and I think Lamelo Ball would have been you know really good at that with Cat, and and at the same time the the reason I like barely put Lamelo over him over Anthony Edwards was because he made Cat better. It's because he made Cat better, and because it's just this idea. And I said this a million times when we were talking on the podcast, where I think Lamelo Ball is a player who makes the best player on your team a better player, and I think Anthony Edwards has a chance at being a best player on a team. Just the odds of... I think I think that's spot on. It, and and what we don't... Again, I, I haven't adjusted whatever my fake percentage is of that on Anthony Edwards um, becoming that best player. I think that's still possible, but I thought that was possible two months ago. But with LaMelo Ball, I feel very confident 
in that premise that he is going to be a player who makes your best player better because he's already making Miles Bridges better, mm-hmm. you know, and he's making, you know, PJ Washington better. He's, he's making right role players better. What happens, you know, what happens once you put him next to what like Hayward and him is working fine, but I don't, I don't think like that's not the type of guy he's going to elevate. Who do you think is a guy? I think it's a stretch big. Like, I mean, it's a, uh, it's hard to get your hands on these guys. <laughs> it's cat. But I mean, you know, you think about, you think about an Anthony Davis too. And, and, and that, that sort of thing where it's just this, it's the, it's the type of player and there's discount versions of this where it's a guy who can catch the ball in the pop and they can shoot it if they got the space or take their, you know, take their guy off the dribble and I'd attack just, a closeout type yeah, of thing. Yeah. Like that, that type of four or five. I think that will be awesome for the mellow ball to play with. Not Bismack, not Bismack Biombo. Not Bismack Biombo, no. And Miles Bridges' shot doesn't look – man, that's – I wasn't – we weren't really doing the draft stuff that – I loved Miles Bridges out of that draft. And he has some nice dunks. He does have <laughs> some nice dunks. Um, let's talk defensively before we move on yeah. to Wiseman defense with Lamelo. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a couple ways you go at it. One, he, you could argue that he sucks because there's moments where it looks like he <laughs> – does not care, yeah, yeah, no, but 100%. it's like a kid. It's like a kid in school that knows he's getting in trouble, but is like he has got like the charisma to like get away with it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean though? Because like he, like he, he sucks at defense, like but he's dancing. so smart and his instincts are so good that he can make up for it. Yeah. So it's like you want to yell at him, but like he got a steal or he got a rebound or he did something good. Where it's just like, dude, what are you? I I, I keep coming back to to the that Atlanta game, the triple double game, because that's a lot. Obviously, the last full game I watched of him, and. I have never seen a coach ever go offense defense earlier in a game than James Borrego did <laughs> with Lamelo. Like it was literally like almost five minutes left of the game, and it was every whistle. It's like it was like okay, you. I'm trying to think of who they who they brought in. It might have been Washington or something. I, I don't know, but it was literally at to the point where Lamelo just sat down on the scorer's table. He and knows Borrego, it too. <laughs> and Borrego was like, no, dude, you can't. This isn't a, this isn't fucking Lithuania. Like, you got to go sit on the Cause bench. Because he knew he was going so, right back in the game. He knew he was going. He told him. He told him he was going back to the game. So he sat down to the score. So I was like, you can't do that. And so he, he went and sat in Borrego's seat on the bench. And it was, I mean, it, it was, one, I think um, it's important to embrace that role. Of like acknowledging your faults and be like, all right, cool. Like I'm not very good at defense right now. I had a couple moments like that in my college career. Where I just, <laughs> late in the game, I would always pl- I'd, I'd shoot free throws, but as soon as there was a time, I would just start walking. To the <laughs> <laughs> and then I would look up sometimes, and the times I wasn't being subbed out, I would like, I'd be surprised. I'd be like, all slap right, the floor, sweet. <laughs> um, Please don't make this shot. It, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, what I think Borrego has done um, a good job of is LaMelo looks really comfortable in zone. And obviously zone is built to hide bad defenders. Um, and, and it works like it, he's not the, the, the thing I think right now, just cause LaMelo is like 180 pounds. Is, it works because it lets him roam and get rebounds. Yeah. He's always in a position to rebound. Well, that's the positive part of it, but it also prevents the negative of him just getting isolated. Mm-hmm. Because that's why, if they want to actually close a game with him and not put him on the scores table, like that's what if you're playing a you know if you're playing a, a, a smart team, I always think about like the Raptors there where they just 
are ruthless at the end of games. Like, who's this team's worst defender? Mm-hmm. Every single time we're pulling them into the action, you know, and and that'll be that'll be a problem with him. And I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, he's gonna really have to grow physically um, to become a passable defender in this league. Otherwise, there's a chance that he is kind of D'Angelo Russell-y. Yeah, you know, but. I don't know if this is too hot of a take right now, but I, I think like D'Angelo Russell is kind of like his floor as that level of point guard in the league where their, their games are different. Obviously, D'Angelo's really if good If you shooter. would have said that a month ago, I would have I would have, I would have thought you were Well, and I know because now I got a bunch of D'Lo stands like mm-hmm. reading and listening to my stuff and they're be like, what the hell, Dane? But I'm using that more as like a line. We've talked about that before with D'Lo. Of like, what is he, the 15th best point guard in the league, something like that? Um which again is probably infuriating those people. Um, but but it, it, it's you don't think he's top five? <laughs> Not yet. Zilo's um, been good though. These past two good, years, yeah, he, real good. Yes. Um, but but that but that's kind of like that's the whole like crux of the question of the Wolves. How how good how good can this team be when their point guard is always going to be you know b- below average defensively? And and I think for Lamelo, he's. It's hard to paint the picture that he becomes an average defender, I think. But the one thing, and I talked about this pre-draft, was I, I like the idea of him as a defender more because he's like 6'8". And, and when you can use him kind of in, in tag situations, or you can use him to play like to jump pocket passes, like when he's off ball and stuff. Like I think he could do enough stuff like that that makes up for the fact that he's going to get cooked in isolation. So let me ask you a question. Who, what type, I'm not asking you a specific player, what type of defender would you rather have? Anthony Edwards, who's got every physical tool in the world. Oh, easy. Or LaMelo. Easy, Anthony Edwards. See, I disagree with you. See, but dude, you got to bet on the, I bet on the IQ. such a conservative thing though. Like, what do you, okay, what's LaMelo Ball's defensive ceiling? Average? What, I don't know, what, not to do the lazy comparison to Ricky, but I mean like, yeah. Ricky is not a good athlete, but Ricky is so smart and so instinctual that he, and I think LaMelo, I'm not saying he's going to get to that level. I would take a guy who understands that, like who, who gets it, who like, who maybe, maybe I might be, I certainly could be wrong. It's, it's hard because I'm literally just went on talking about how Edwards. And again, I'm not, looks like a second. Let me me back up. I'm not necessarily saying. Lamelo is going to be a better defender. No, it's Edwards. that type. I'm of, saying I would rather t- take on a guy who's really smart. Well, versus, that's what's really interesting with this whole comparison, right? Is it's is it's bets you're taking these yeah. you're taking these bets where they're going back to the the Wolves took the bet on Anthony Edwards becoming a best player on a team type of player. That is not a 50 percent proposition. It's like a 15 percent proposition. Right. Whereas Lamelo becoming a you know a guy who makes a star better is like an 80 percent. You know, so yeah. you got to you got to wait and like the risk and return. And like Lamelo strikes me as like a basketball junkie, right? Like he probably like goes Clearly. home and watches League Pass, right? Or like yeah. he's always watching, he's absorbing it. He's just he's been around it with Lonzo. He's whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Anthony Edwards is like that. I don't know if he's going home and turning on League Pass. I mean, yeah. What do you? What do I, so and I, and <laughs> I, I do know. think that I, matters. I think like being a student of the game and mm-hmm. watching and absorbing that stuff does actually pay off. And I think, I think it's pretty clear. Um, watching Edwards out there that he's listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm at these games, you know, a couple hours before watching stuff and, 
his again his individual coaches David Vanderpool and then the two of them they just sit at the scores table it's the same Lamelo spot right there at half court and uh, they literally just the two of them sit there and talk for like twenty minutes and and I think. I think Anthony Edwards is really receptive to that. A lot of the players have been like, he's such a good listener and whatever. That's kind of like soft, but at at the same time, a lot of guys aren't like that, particularly guys who are the first overall pick, particularly guys who are freaks athletically, you know? Right. And, and so I think it's, if that pays off, it's probably years down the road, just of how low of a bar it is kind of right now. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I guess, it just, what do you want to bet on? Do you want to, do you want to take the the higher upside thing, which is there is a world where Anthony Edwards is a stud defender, based on the phys, I know we've already gone through this. I I think I would take that. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, I'm not. I don't think there's a right or again. It's mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to like the should have should Anthony Edwards have dunked that ball. If there's not a you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I what sometimes saying. it's going to work. Sometimes it's not. It's just who would you rather put your money on? Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to James Wiseman. Okay. Who was your number one? He was on your board. Um, Wiseman has Dude, played. La- Lamelo was my number one. No, it was not. Uh, James Wiseman's played ten games. He started all ten games, but this, this, this is just that everyone hates that that Edwards isn't so not everyone <laughs> clearly not the Timberwolves but a lot of people hate that Anthony Edwards isn't starting well James Wiseman is starting every game and never finishing he's only playing 20 minutes per game I thought he got ever- hurt last night I went back and I was like did he get why did he played like he played like six minutes in the second half or something they're doing the like get him reps in the time but we still have to win this game because exactly. we're the Warriors and we got we're playing Kevin Looney to close the game which makes sense I mean it makes it he started on Pascal Siakam last night it, I, I, did you, yeah. I don't know if you watched. It. Yeah. He was that's who he was guarding. So I don't blame him for not playing a ton. Um, what do yeah. you? What do you? What, what are your thoughts on him? Well, let me, let me read off these stats. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. 20, 20 minutes per game, which is like six less than what Edwards is playing. He's that's going to keep going up. I would imagine if I had a bet. Yeah, I mean that's pretty low. <laughs> I mean, I wonder that that's probably talk about somebody not playing basketball late. Like, yeah, he didn't play last year. Yeah, it's been like two years. Yeah, um, eleven points per game, point three assists, but means. He has three assists this season. Six point one rebounds, point four steals, one point five blocks, one point five turnovers. He's shooting fifty percent from two, which is actually really bad considering um, the shots he's taking. And then forty percent from three, but only on fifteen attempts. That said, um, that was a big reason why you and I were both high on Wiseman. Was the idea? I thought it was pretty ridiculous. Pretty ridiculous that people were. The idea that he would just be Rudy Gobert and never shoot. Like, I think pretty clearly watching him, even in the limited stuff available, he was going to be a guy who's going to be able to stroke it. He's going to shoot threes. I mean, he's like going to be able to shoot. And yeah, the maybe thing, not, not, not only at 40%. Shoot, but not only shoot threes, hit the threes that he's going to get, especially in Golden State, are going to be like catch, set your feet, line it up, and shoot it. So they're never going to be hard threes. Like, he's going to well, get. And. How many guys in the league can close out on him and contest a shot? He's massive. Massive. Like, I, I, I think that's going to be a really – that's I, where they're going to add add to him there too because the the pick and roll – his numbers and all his synergy numbers are actually really bad. Like, even – Most rookies are, though. I went back and looked at some yeah. of them. Like, even the really good rookie. I mean, not, mm-hmm. not to say these guys aren't yeah. really good, but 
your rookie year is just never really that. Yeah, I, I guess I, I'm just saying that to like I look at I look at his pick and roll numbers and you go and it's 34th percentile thus far as, sure. as a roll man and like I watch I watch Steph and James Wiseman do a pick and roll I'm like holy hell like how are you going to defend Steph pulling up off of this and then his when he hits Wiseman on the roll, it doesn't matter where Wiseman catches it. He doesn't have to dribble before dunking. It's unbelievable. I've, I, it's I, like Giannis. I can't, I, that part is like I Giannis. can't remember if I texted you or somebody else about this. Besides Giannis, he dunks the ball easier than anybody I have ever seen in my life. I think I sent you the picture. I took yeah, a yeah, still yeah. shot. He's at the elbow with his back to the basket, and he two-hand hammers it without taking a dribble. It's a dead ball too. It's unbelievable. It was, yeah. It's. Uh, I think. I mean. I. I still think he's. My, he would be my number. One. If I had to do it over, I would still have him. One. Interesting. Interesting. And I think. Partly because I think he's in a great spot. Like I think, yeah. you know, the one thing Anthony Edwards doesn't have, and the one thing Lamelo Ball, he doesn't have Steph Curry and Draymond Green to be like. This is what you. Sure. You know what I mean. This you're going to do this or that. Um, and so I don't know. I think. I can't wait to watch him. Hopefully, Clay is back and healthy next year because I think there's a world next year where his job is going to be so easy. I, I think, man, even this year, as they get better, sure. they get more comfortable. Like Ubre starts playing better. Wiggins has already started, you know, starting playing yeah. better. Like, I mean, his job is five, so easy. Yeah, that job. He's <laughs> clearly like when you can dunk it from the free. Like you just stand there and dunk. Like, and I've never seen anything like it. He's the fifth usage guy. Will Chamberlain. Yeah, <laughs> he's Will Chamberlain. I mean, at, at the same time. Um, Offensively, there's some there's some questionable parts of it too. Uh, I, I think there's he does like I, I love it when he's in the post and he just goes crab dribble left hook like because no matter how good a defense you no matter how good no. a defense you play it's not gonna yeah it's I, you can't you can't contest he it. does he does need to get stronger though like there are times still where the ball gets stripped from him or he goes to dunk it and you know it just and that'll come but he. Fifty percent, fifty percent from two on the shots he's going to get is not, yeah, is not good enough. No, not even close. But it, it's this: when you're drafting a center, when you're investing that highly in a center, if you're taking a center in the lottery, even you're like part of their game being worth it or becoming a becoming an above average center or or a star center. You need to be able to be a guy who is an over a point per possession post up guy, and there's like four or five of those in the league and it's like cat and bead Jokic, you yep. know and and then like mixing a couple other year to year and and when i watch wiseman given his size and given his footwork getting getting to that hook it's like he could be a point per possession post-up guy which is you know people obviously say like the post-up's dead but it's such a good it's such a good innings eater for for a team you know in in the middle of the game and if it's if it's at that level, like if it is at the point per possession level, like that's what you're hoping for out of your pick and roll, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean his his first four baskets last night in the first quarter, at least in the first half, I think maybe three of them were in the first quarter. It was, and I don't know if this is the right order, but it was catch on the right block, one dribble, easy hook shot. Mm-hmm. Then it was seal on Siakam, Steph or somebody threw it to him, and it was just turn and dunk it. Mm-hmm. Then it was catch face up, fifteen footer, mm-hmm. and then it was. Draymond tipped that rebound to him, yep. and he took four dribbles the length of the court, scored, and like blew by a guard, Van Fleet or somebody, it, it, and dunked it. Insane. It was just like, I mean, if this is what's to come, like it's scary, because it's 
gonna be, be in so many single coverage situations. Yeah. Like, and not to compare him to Cat, but again, to to go to the post up thing, it's like the issue with Cat is not that he's not an elite post up player; it's that they teams take that away by bringing the double. Mm-hmm. Well, what if Wiseman can score close to the on the block, close to the level that Cat can? Are you gonna still keep bringing weak side doubles from the baseline every time? Nope. Swing, swing, Clay, Steph, even Wiggins, Ubre. You know, if if those are open, like right. those are. I mean, he's going to have to learn to pass out of those sort of things and, and all that. But, but I think it's just so important to be able to be like, all right, right away, I feel confident saying that this is going to be a post-up player. On top of the fact of what I think many of us assumed going in, going to be an elite pick-and-roll player, going to be one of those bigs who's dangerous in transition. And so, yeah, like it's gotta, he's got to prove that a little bit more you know, in, in bigger situations. His numbers and post-ups aren't great right now. He's got to prove a little bit more with that jump shot that he can hit it 35 to 40% of the time when he's open. And then, and then he's got to, he's got to have a little bit better discernment. I think um, when he is working in that mid range area, Yes. like if you've got the post and you've decided to square up, it's got to be right away. But as soon as when he squares up, the guy kind of presses up on him. He's like, I'm still kind of in a scoring position, but now I'm going one dribble, two dribble. I'm kind of going backwards. Here comes a 19 foot, Mm -hmm. you know, too like that stuff has got to be exercised and there's not a lot of it there hasn't been a lot of it it's literally like like five to seven possessions of that or something pretty much what Kerr is doing is putting him in really good spots be the pick and roll guy and in transition run down to the front of the rim seal under the block yes and he's he almost can't be bad at those things if he does them I think that the two things where if he does improve it's going to be he's going to be an all-star are one if he gets physically stronger because he's already, I think, a pretty strong. But I, I, still, so. I still think there are times where it's like he goes up to – like I forget maybe two or three games ago, Portland maybe, where he got the ball stripped like three or four times. I'm like, yeah. dude, just keep the ball on your chin. Like mm-hmm. you should not have the ball stripped. So that, if he gets stronger, which I imagine he will, and two, if he can learn to, you know, sets a ball screen for Steph. They obviously trap Steph or blitz mm-hmm. him or whatever, and he gets rid of it quickly to him. Can he catch the ball at 18 feet and make a quick pass? Like make a quick decision, right? Because that's and how the that's Warriors really play. really hard. It is hard. And that probably, even if he can, won't but, be for a while. But, but nobody does it in the league better than Draymond. And so, he again, talk that's about true. mentorship. Talk about a guy to mm. watch. Just, hey, watch Draymond do it. Catch it. Where's Clay? Where's Steph? Or not Steph? Mm. Or, you know, where's a shooter? Or for how much ground he can cover, it's just one dribble from there. And Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, And that's the difference. They haven't yeah. had a guy like – and, I mean, there aren't many guys in the league like it, but – you catch it from 18 feet and just to be able to take one dribble and hammer it is. <laughs> well, it's insane because that's normally like an 18 footer, which is yeah. a bad shot. It goes from being a shot that 95% of the guys in the league can't make half the time to a dunk. Yeah. Like it, it, it the, I mean, if, if people listen to this, haven't had the chance to watch him, like target in on that. Target in what he does immediately following the catch. Yes. It's insane. I think it's it's targeted on that. And if you if you can watch the first quarter from last night's game, I mm-hmm. just like the upside that we're talking about. Like those mm-hmm. those twelve minutes are pretty impressive. I think um it is fair to say he's been well, I don't know. I, I think I would say he's that they've all been they've all shown flashes, like I said at the beginning. Um they've been t- I think Especially, obviously, this draft, not to cut you off, sorry, but this draft had yeah. like a bad reputation yeah. to it. And then you you 
compound that with a shortened preseason. The fact for how well all three of these guys are playing is pretty incredible. It, it is. And and so for even if Wiseman is the, shown the third most out of these three guys, it's not like it's not like a petty bronze medal here. Like he's been they they've all they've all really shown things. And the thing I know because you're big on this and I think you're right. A real reason to bet on him as the guy from this group is the fact that he's not playing on the Hornets or the Timberwolves. Yeah. He he is going to be in a situation where, you know, that losing mentality seeping in is not optional, mm-hmm. you know? And and that will like that's gonna be something that Lamelo and Edwards are gonna have to fight, I think, because neither the Wolves or the Hornets are gonna win half their games this year. And I, right. I mean I don't know when they will. Right. Do that. So so I think I think that's big for his stock, you know, kind of going forward and that he's just in he's going to stay in a pretty small role for the first couple of years of his career. I, that was my my last point is that he's never going to for good or for worse. It's never going to be his fault. Right. Like he's kind of a guy mm-hmm. that blends in, which I think for a big guy especially can be you know important early on. Right. Because um, it's still it's Draymond's team. It's Steph's team. It's have you wrap up on this? Have have you been excited by his defense? I mean, I went back and forth. That's kind of where I'm at, too. You know what I mean? I think... I guess I'll say I I had higher expectations. I think he's being big as hell, and that in and of itself is a weapon. Um, But I wouldn't say he's been... He's been bad. Yeah. But I would... Like, if you said who's going to be the best defender out of... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I see moments where I'm like, okay, he's... Again, I don't think his job defensively needs to be that complicated, Mm -hmm. right? He's got... Right. Um... But but the, the the case for him, like going number one overall, f- for any team like justifying that or or the Warriors justifying taking him in his two is that he's going to be an all defense caliber player, and and of course that's still in the realm of possibilities. He just I guess what I'm saying is in ten games, he hasn't shown anything to me like in the way of being so dynamic either naturally or intellectually that I'm like. Yeah, that's going to happen for sure. Like for sure, he's going to be a all right. defensive player. I mean, there's there's a reason he's playing 20 minutes, right? Like if yeah. he was if he was good on defense, he'd be playing 30 minutes. <laughs> so I mean, I yeah, I think it's you don't have to look much much further than that. Is that a good place to stop? I think so. We'll have to do this more once we've watched some of the other guys mm-hmm. a little bit more. Got to watch your boy Vassell in person. These past these past two yeah. games at Target I don't Center, I think he scored in two games. Like your Twitter followers weren't happy with him. <laughs> He's but as soon as he went to as soon as he went to San Antonio and Trey Jones, who we both liked right. out of the draft, I will it's say just, I, it's going to be slow. I, I to will, get yeah. minutes and in I'm San obviously a def, of a sell backer, but. I think the fact that he's playing 20, 17 minutes a game on that team with the wings that they, they – I mean, yeah. Lonnie Walker's good. Keldon Johnson is good. DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay. Yeah. Like, they have these wings. And the fact mm-hmm. that he's mm-hmm. playing that totally. – And he's shooting 40-something – I don't know. I, no, no, no. I, I think I, – Again, I, when, we did the, when we did the pre-draft stuff, it wasn't who's going to be the best 10 games into the season. Right? It was like, <laughs> who do we think is going to be – And and he's what, – what I think has been cool about him is is he's an unsurprisingly completely embraced a role. Yeah. And he's he is playing – on a team that isn't playing some other guys mm-hmm. again, like Trey, um, like my boy, Kata Bates Diop, not, not getting in the rotation. You know, it, it's, he, he has carved out a role immediately on that team. And, and I think that carries, you know, some clout being that it's in San Antonio 
under pop if you just look at historically yeah. what you know right. what he does with rookies right um so yeah so we'll do this maybe we'll take a look at like i mean maybe let ask people i mean i'll we'll do whoever but yeah D- denny would be an intriguing one mm-hmm. and honestly i mean for me it's like with the season condensed this year it's it's hard to be watching a ton of other stuff i mean i always watch the, the like the wolves next opponent but it's it's been, it's like I'll uh, I'll you know I'll turn on League Pass at night and I'm like, wow, we're two weeks into the season and I haven't watched mm-hmm. this. I haven't watched a full game of this team yet, you know. And it's just, it, it it's just hard to do. But um, but this is just gonna be. I mean, it, it's it's going to be so much more fun for me and I think for you to watch the NBA this season because there's this whole other like fun box that for sure you know that i didn't you know i had all the opinions on these guys i have sought out games right of rookies more than i have like i'm like i kind of know what the bucks are like i'll let that one go and again the value of having synergy for something like this too where sure you don't need to watch a full warriors game you can watch you know so that well, that i don't know how before synergy what i did i just didn't know. Yeah. Thought <laughs> I just thought I did. <laughs> we just didn't know. Um, all right. He's Wildeberg uh, again. Uh, thank you, Will. Uh, Will coaches at the University of St. Thomas here. And you can follow him on Twitter at WDeberg14 for his tweets that don't happen. <laughs> I'm going to start tweeting more. Sure. Fire it out. Um, we'll do this again soon. Um, for me, I will be back after the first Memphis game, which is on Wednesday. So we've got to. Wolves have two days off here before that, before two against Tyus and Gorgie and crew and the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, so that'll be Wednesday night. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah.